someone finally slow all this down. It's all just moving way too fast. Well, luckily for all of us, I control the speed around here, and I have no intentions of rushing through this incredible selection of true, terrifying, paranormal stories. Stories just like Madeline's out of the state of Arkansas. Hey, my name is Madeline McFarland. I live in Northeast Arkansas where nothing happens and there is nothing to do. (laughs) So kind of in that vein, uh, when my sister was turning 16, we were looking for something to do. Um, There's nothing really where we live, but if you drive, Like about four hours away, there is Eureka Springs, and it's a beautiful town. It's old, it's cool, there's lots of cool little shops, things to do, and we just wanted to get out of town a little bit, so we went up there. It was in November of probably 2017, 2018, and we decided we were going to stay at the Crescent Hotel. So the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs has been called the most haunted hotel in America. There's ghost tours all around Eureka Springs, especially at the hotel. Uh, A little bit of history on the hotel itself. It was built in 1886. Originally, it was a resort for the rich and famous, but really quickly, it kind of fell into disrepair and uh, it became unmanageable, says Wikipedia. So in 1908, it reopened as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. That closed down in 1924. It opened up again in 1930 as a junior college. The college closed, and then again, it became like a summer hotel. In 1937, it got a new owner, and he turned the Crescent into a hospital and health resort. So his name was Norman G. Baker. He was a millionaire, inventor, kind of an eccentric. He said he was a doctor, even though he wasn't really a doctor. Um, He had no medical training whatsoever, but he claimed that he discovered cures for like multiple diseases. Um, He said he had the cure for cancer. He was super opposed to, you know, big pharma or organized medicine. He thought it was corrupt and profit driven, blah, 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 blah. He was originally kind of thrown out of Iowa because he was practicing without a license. 
so he moved his cancer patients to Arkansas and started this health resort. And his cure was pretty much just drinking the area's natural spring water. Federal charges were filed, blah, 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 blah. Lots of went down. Basically, during his time there, like, it was a pretty nasty place. They had a morgue down in the basement. Lots of people died there. So you can definitely see why it would be haunted. But me, going into it, I was kind of just like, eh, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I definitely believe in ghosts, but I'd never had an experience. So I guess I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a skeptic at the time, but I definitely thought that a lot of accounts were probably exaggerated. So basically that whole Wikipedia rundown aside, we were at the hotel, didn't really expect anything crazy to happen, but creepy atmosphere, late November, it was the fall. It definitely looked like a haunted hotel and we were definitely spooked. Kind of from the beginning, just the whole, the vibe, definitely spooky. So we were there for three nights. The first two nights, nothing, nothing at all. I felt totally comfortable, had no issues sleeping, didn't feel creeped out like someone was watching me. They really encourage you to just kind of explore the hotel. So we walked around just about everywhere we could never felt creeped out we even did the ghost tour they take you down to the morgue they do like a a whole ghost hunting session like they definitely play into it so i was almost a little bit disappointed i felt like it might be a little bit gimmicky and i don't know i didn't i just i didn't expect to see anything so on the third night the whole entire day we'd run around new york springs hung out at the hotel, did whatever, snuck around the grounds because I was young, I wanted to smoke and I didn't want anyone to know I was smoking. So finally we go inside and take a shower, get ready for bed and we are laying in the bedroom. It's me, my sister and our friends. We're all sharing a room. My sister and I were sharing a bed, but she was hanging out on this little couch that was across the room from me how you know a lot of hotels they have a little pull-out couch the crescent didn't have a pull-out couch it had a fancy little chase lounge but she was sitting over there on the lounge playing the sims 4 probably and i was laying in bed watching netflix super normal everyone was tired our friend madison was asleep my sister was just playing her game i was you know watching my shows but i glanced up at my sister and saw her Nothing was out of the ordinary. Whatever, I went back to watching my show a couple minutes later. And this sounds ridiculous even now. Saying it to myself, it sounds ridiculous. But a couple minutes later, I almost saw like a green light over where my sister was. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought probably her game. For some reason, it's green. No problem there. Looked at her again. Looked up at her face. And as soon as I saw her face, my stomach like fell. I just dropped my heart. Just, oh my gosh, I, her face wasn't her face. Someone that looked like a woman, but honestly, I didn't look long enough to know for sure. Someone old and creepy was just menacingly 
grinning at me at this exaggerated grin the face was just bathed in this green light and i was absolutely terrified my sister should have been sitting there but the face that i was looking at wasn't my sister's there was another face on my sister's face i didn't see any of her features they were completely like obscured it was literally like someone had just in real time photoshopped a creepy ghost face on my sister's face and it looked at the time too like she had really dark hair which my sister has brown hair but it, i mean it looked darker and i don't know it was in her face and it was very strange the face itself was doing this horrible grin almost like they knew or she knew i guess it looked like a woman she knew she was going to scare me and maybe that was the point i don't really know um <laughs> so it terrified me i was so upset I immediately burst into tears ran over to my sister and I was like were you just looking at me did you just make a creepy face at me like what what is going on and she's just freaking out like no I what no I haven't even no what are you talking about she was completely confused and I was just hysterical sobbing I was so terrified I really felt like I would never feel normal again it was like the veil had been lifted I knew something was out there that I had just been like blissfully unaware of my entire life. I was absolutely terrified. The only thing that made me feel better was going and sitting in my bed and reading the Bible. And I read my little Bible app on my phone until I fell asleep that night. And it was definitely a fitful sleep. I was very happy to leave the next day. And it kind of took me a while to stop feeling shaken up. I was really scared. And, you know, now it's a little bit easier for me to just, a lot of people did die there. You know, maybe there's some tricksters. Maybe somebody likes playing tricks on the guests who come in and, you know, aren't really taking the place seriously. Definitely, definitely made a believer out of me. I tell this story. Anytime someone asks me whether or not I believe in ghosts, I really just can't even convey how scared I was in that moment, in that night. It was life-changing. But anyways, Derek, thank you so much. I'm such a big fan of the podcast. I think I'm on season four right now, but I am binge-watching. Really appreciate you. Just became a Patreon. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Madeline. The good old Crescent Hotel. Now I'm certain that we've discussed that establishment at least a time or two over the past several seasons. And you know, Madeline did an excellent job of going over the history. And like she mentioned, it's considered to be by many the most haunted hotel in the United States. But how it got to be known that way is no secret. Years of pain and suffering at the hands of a con man named Norman Baker. But you know, as I readied this call for tonight's broadcast, it caused a little thought to develop in my mind. I'd wondered if there were other hospitals turned hotels with similar haunting results. And in my research... 
way did I find a gem. Talk about a facelift. This is the old St. Vincent's Hospital. The outside still looks kind of the same. Those cool, familiar balconies still there. The shape of the building the same too. But the inside completely different. The hospital was built in 1954, but moved to another location in the 1970s. Then the old huge five-story landmark was used for government offices and even movie sets. But seven years ago, Drury bought the property and made big-time changes. The old hospital rooms, now hotel rooms. And that roof with the view of downtown and the cathedral and the mountains, it's still there. But now there's a rooftop swimming pool. It's 168,000 square feet and 182 hotel rooms. An old Santa Fe landmark with a major makeover. Now that clip courtesy of KOAT, ABC News 7 out of Albuquerque. And you heard that right. A hospital where hundreds, maybe thousands, were born, treated, and even died, was converted into a modern hotel. Right in the center of scenic downtown Santa Fe, New Mexico. Though I'm all about reduce, reuse, and recycle. But this seems like a recipe for a nightmare. Or at least one hell of a night. Either way, the Drury Plaza just might be playing with fire. The rooms where patients were treated, now converted to standard hotel rooms. A place to stay while in town for a conference, to buy some art, or on your annual visit to see your great Aunt Polly. And I wonder how many of those guests have no idea of the history of each of the rooms that they're residing in. No, I'm certainly not making accusations here, but it almost seems like the hotel may be putting a damper on any talk about the possibility of the paranormal within the hotel's walls. There was little to nothing online in the way of experiences, stories, or information in general. Although I did learn that visitors claimed to hear disembodied footsteps running down the hallways, babies crying in the middle of the night, flickering lights and slamming doors. But you know, back when it was a hospital, doctors and administration told of an infamous haunting. A young boy. It was claimed that he haunted room 311. And the activity apparently got so bad that they were forced to close the room to future patients. Now I wonder which hotel room 311 is now. Book yourself a night and see if you feel lucky. Well, also in my research, I did manage to stumble upon a piece of evidence captured from the hospital-turned-hotel. The following clip, also courtesy of KOAT News 7 and the Goodmans, the family of ghost hunters that decided to test the rumors for themselves and captured this video. They claimed that when they turned off the lights to go to sleep for the night, they began to hear knocking sounds. Here is an actual recording made that evening. That's not the vibes. Oh my god, Dad, can you like please go turn on those on?
You're recording that, right? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Here we go again. After a few minutes of the knocking, they decided to contact hotel management, where they were given a new room on a new floor. But the knocking continued. Now management was in contact with the family for several days after they checked out, and to this day they have still not pinpointed the issue. Anyway, the Drury Plaza Hotel in downtown Santa Fe. So take that, Crescent Hotel. And thanks again, Madeline for sharing your entry. Now, folks, if you have a story you would like to share here on the show, simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Now, this next entry takes us to the skies over Mississippi. Please, welcome our anonymous caller from the Magnolia State. Hi, Derek. So I will remain anonymous. I live in Mississippi, and something happened to me a few nights ago. This was, uh, I think, two weeks ago. (laughs) So I was laying in bed. It was about 3.30. I just woke up, and I was like, man, I got to go back to sleep. We were about to leave on vacation. We were leaving. I had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I was laying there, and I'm like, I just cannot go to sleep. And where I was staying, it's middle of nowhere, staying with my dad before we left for the beach. And there's these big windows that look outside. It's just trees. It's just woods. And I left the curtains open that night because I was like, well, if I'm going to get up at 7 o'clock, or six o'clock, we gotta leave at seven. I might as well have some sunlight to help wake me up. I usually close those curtains. I did not that night. So my daughter woke up around like four and I got her back to sleep within a few minutes and I'm just laying there and outside the window I see this light and it's about four feet off the ground. It's right outside the window, like maybe a foot away from the window. And it's like about the size of a baseball. And it's moving to my left. I'm going to try to give you a layout. With the way I'm laying, I'm facing the window. I have my back to the door entering the room. So, I, you know, I'm just looking at this light. And it's actually moving to my left. And it blinks out, shows back up again, just a couple inches away from where it blinked out from. Blinks out again, shows back up, blinks out again, shows back up. And then I just watch it disappear out of the, my view of the window. <laughs> and I'm laying there trying to rationalize what just happened. <laughs> like, well, maybe it was my phone light behind me. Maybe my phone was just lighting up and I just didn't know it. Or maybe um, it was just, you know, I was just trying to rationalize it to myself. Well, <laughs> as I'm trying to do this, it shows back up again. But this time it's in the tree and it's, moving super fast. It's blinking in and out at different locations. It'll move another 20 feet up in the trees, back down to the ground and back up to the trees, back to the midline of the trees and back. This went on for about 30 seconds and I'm just watching it like, okay. (laughs) And I just watched it disappear into the trees. And 
I said to myself, okay, that just happened. I'm definitely not going back to sleep now. <laughs> so a few hours later, get up, get dressed, get what little stuff I need packed back up. And we head out on the road at seven o'clock. And my brother is in my car with me. And as I'm driving, I'm, I'm telling him the story like I just told you. And <laughs> within maybe two minutes after I told the story, my brother says, what is that? And he's looking up at the sky and I'm like, what is what? He's like, what is that? And I look up and it's like a star, looks like a big star. Only thing is it's 7.30 in the morning and it is overcast, not a star not a satellite too overcast for a see anything like that and it was really bright it's a really big star and my brother's freaking out and i'm like what i was like that's not a plane like i know what a plane looks like i see planes all the time <laughs> but that that was not a plane and as my brother is pulling out his phone to video this star i'm literally watching it dwindle down to nothing and it just disappeared. It didn't move, it just disappeared. My brother said that it was moving slowly, but I didn't see any movement, but I was driving. My brother said it was moving really slow to like his left. And I swear the minute as he's pulling his phone out of his pocket to get a picture, it's shrinking. The light is shrinking until it just disappears. We were freaking out freaking out and <laughs> I called my dad and was like did y'all just see that UFO like I was freaking out <laughs> and then our line disconnects I've never done that before I, even though we are in the middle of nowhere I've my dad will make calls on the way to his work and they don't just disconnect the way that ours did I don't know if that's related or anything I don't know if my two stories are related but it was an extremely weird coincidence that as soon as I got done telling my story to my brother we both see this bright light, bright star in the sky. And I found out that, like, on the beach trip, that my dad's house is, I don't know, the place where they built the house and where other people's houses are, it's on, like, Indian burial grounds. So that might be something. And my stepmom, she showed me a video. I can send it to, I think, your email of it's like a slow motion video and there's just this like a ball like a blue ball that kind of like shoots up and slow motion videos i had to be moving extremely quickly for it's just moving you know swoop up the way it did and it was this kind of similar to the light i, I saw like a bright white blue light so you know i love the podcast keep it up excited to see if this makes it on the podcast yep just let me know thank you Thank you, caller. Now, we went back and dated our submitter's initial call, and she submitted this story on June 17th of 2021, which would put her experience right around the beginning of that month. I did some cross-referencing, but wasn't able to find any other claims of similar events around those dates and times and locations. But that, of course, doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that we need to dig a little deeper. So if you saw something strange in Mississippi in early June 2021, let us know. And thanks again, caller, for calling in. 
Mr. Pop. What would he say we get back into the action here? And I think Ariel's entry is a perfect place to start. Hi, Derek. It's Ariel again. I called in last season. You played my story about the glass bottles spontaneously exploding all over the place. So I have had just kind of like a lifelong history of paranormal experiences, starting with one of the first houses that I lived in. This house has a really unusual history because my dad actually had it moved in sections across town and I can submit a picture of my dad like riding on the top of this house across town as it's being moved on these trailers. So growing up in this house, it was always totally haunted. And as an adult, I've since asked my siblings about it and they have no experiences of anything happening in this house, which when I was a kid, I just, I guess I just assumed it was happening to everybody. But probably one of the scarier experiences that I had was I was about nine years old and alongside of the house were the three bedrooms and the first two bedrooms were connected with a closet that was kind of shaped like a, the letter Z. So you can enter the closet, walk down the closet and then enter into the other bedroom. And that was just a lot of fun for us as kids, like playing hide and go seek and just being able to run through that closet between the bedrooms. In that bedroom, the bed was right next to a really large window. So this was a really old house. So it had the huge windows just for lighting before they had electricity. So the bed was right up against these giant windows that looked out into the yard. And in our yard, basically on the street was a street light. So it lit up our entire yard and it just flooded the bedroom with light from the street light. There were no curtains on the bedroom. So I'm laying on the bed and it's summer. It's really hot. I don't know if we had the AC or if it just wasn't turned on, but I'm laying fully dressed, like on top of the blankets. And then I didn't want to lay next to the window. So I'm all the way furthest away from the wall, like on the edge of the bed, just laying there on my back, just trying to go to sleep. And across the room towards the foot of my bed is that closet I just described across the room. And I could see the room perfectly lit up. Like I said, that street light just totally lit up that whole room. And there are these really solid oak doors with these iron handles, doorknobs. And I'm just laying there trying to go to sleep and I hear a creak. So these old cast iron doorknobs, you know, when you turn them, you could hear them. And I hear this creak and I look at the closet and I can see the doorknob turning very slowly. And the first thought that I had was that a mouse had somehow jumped up onto the doorknob. And like I said, I was just like nine years old. There's just a little kid that a mouse had jumped up on the doorknob and somehow made the doorknob turn. So I'm watching this and I'm not scared yet. I'm just actually pretty curious. And the door slowly creaks open about eight inches. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm getting nervous. It was hardwood floors in the bedroom. And I start to hear footsteps from the closet walking straight towards the foot of my bed. And it's about this cadence, like creak, 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 creak. These footsteps come to the foot of my bed. I'm immediately regretting not laying under the blankets, having nothing to cover myself with. 
and I'm just laying on my back frozen and the footsteps come to the foot of my bed. They stop and I'm staring straight ahead of me trying to see what's there. And I can see everything in my room perfectly clear, but there's nothing there. I'm straining my eyes trying to see. So at that point, I just look up at the ceiling and I just start saying over and over and over, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I start to hear the footsteps again. They're walking around the edge of the bed. And I, again, immediately start regretting laying furthest away from the window and right next to the edge of the bed. And I hear creak, creak, creak. And the footsteps walk alongside my body up to my shoulder. And when the footsteps get to my shoulder, they stop. And again, there's nothing there to see. I'm just terrified out of my mind. And then I hear the steps going towards the door to go outside of the bedroom. And I turn my head and I look and I can see the doorknob turn and the door opens. And it only opened this time, like about an inch or two inches. And at that point, I just leapt up out of the bed. I don't know where I got this courage from. Jumped out of the bed, ran out of the room, and I just jumped in my dad's bed. (laughs) And I have a lot of other stories in that house. Just very quickly, like I used to think my dog could open the sliding glass door because every time he would come to the sliding glass door, the sliding glass door would just go flying open. And... I was so used to that. I just thought that our dog had figured out how to open sliding glass doors. I mean, I think maybe a dog might be able to figure out how to nudge a door open a little bit, but no, he would just walk to the door and the door would just slide open. And I mean, that happened all the time and I just was so used to it. It didn't scare me really. So that was my first haunted house I lived in. And I'm now 34 years old. I've lived in two other haunted houses or houses that I would consider to have spirits or activities. So I will call those in. Thank you for listening to my story. And I'm just going to keep listening to your podcast. It's awesome. And my kids love listening to it as well. So take care. Bye. Thank you, Ariel. You know, in my hometown, we have a hometown hero, so to speak. He was an astronaut, a politician, fighter jet pilot. And a dozen or so years ago, our tiny little village moved his boyhood home about a half a mile across town from where it sat, catty corner from my mom's house, to its new location as a museum across from our library and elementary school, right smack in the middle of Main Street. No, I wasn't there when they moved it, but I can't imagine what went into moving a structure like that on busy public roads. Well, the funny thing about that home, and if what my grandfather told me is true, that was not the first time that house had been moved. When the main road was widened, maybe in the 1940s, this infamous house, now museum, was moved atop the hill near where my mother lives present day. So in a span of maybe 80 years, this house has sat on three separate streets, on three separate properties, and moved nearly a mile. And this is not a small house either. Anyway, the opener to Ariel's entry sent me down a long walk down memory lane. But as for that closet entity... 
What is the deal with closets, anyway? Why are they so often involved in these strange paranormal stories? I think it's something we should probably get to the bottom of. Until we do, however. Thanks again, Ariel, for sharing your entry. Now, folks, don't forget, the shop is on sale. Act now to get 15% off anything and everything listed at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. Smash that shop tab, wrap and support the show, and save money doing so. Again, that's MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com, and click the shop tab. Now, next up is an entry that might make you question how the world works. Here is another anonymous caller. This time from parts unknown. Hey there, I've called in a couple stories that were told to me growing up by my mother, and this is another one. Um, Maybe one of these days I'll get her to call something in because she's a great storyteller. I'm not sure of the location of this incident. I believe it was on the East Coast in a city somewhere in New England. Maybe New York, maybe Connecticut, possibly Maine. I don't remember. My mom moved around a lot, and so have I. But anyways, one night she said she shared an apartment with her sister, and her sister was out of town for the night. Anyway, so my mom was hanging out on the porch steps after work with a bunch of her friends who lived in the area, some who lived in the building, some who lived across town. They were all just hanging out. Um, I'm not sure if anybody was drinking or if anything like that was going on. At the time I was told this story, I was a young child, and my mom and I were part of the Mormon church. And so she was using this as a story to explain what they call, like, the Holy Ghost, which is, in essence, a sixth sense. It's like a whispering you get or a sensation you get that helps protect you and help you make choices, basically. So that was the way this story was framed for me as a child. Now, we're no longer in that church, and now we're more aware that it's more of, like, a psychic situation as far as running in my family. A sensitivity runs in my family among all the women. So anyway, this evening, she's starting to get tired, said it was a little bit cold outside. You know, the weather's clear, but it was it was chilly, and she was tired and wanted to go in. So she says goodbye to her friends. They all stay and hang out on this porch. Or, you know, it's more like a stairway, like 20 to 30 steps outside this building. And she walks upstairs, I think it's a couple stories up, and she pulls out her key to open the door. And she says, as soon as the key was in her hand and she was about a foot away from the doorknob with it, that she got like an electric current through her body, like a zap. She said it really hurt, but that it also like came with this really strange feeling to go back downstairs. Like she got scared, I think. And so she was like, uh, okay, like that was odd but let me just ignore it. And so she reached with the key again, same thing. She got this wicked shock in her arm. And again, she said it really hurt. So she thought that was weird. And I guess she kind of went into shock in some sense because for whatever reason, she didn't tell anybody about it when she went back to where everyone was gathered. She just hung out until again, she was like, okay, you know, I guess she convinced herself maybe she had made it up or just was feeling ready to go to bed and so was willing to ignore the sensation she was getting. So she goes back upstairs and the same thing happens again. I guess she did this maybe two or three more times to the point where she was just like, couldn't figure out what was going on but couldn't shake the feeling that she shouldn't go in the apartment basically. And this physical experience of the shock I think was making it 
all the more intense for her. So she ended up not going into her apartment that night, even though everyone was gathered outside where she lived. She ended up taking like a ride with a friend and staying at their house across town. But I guess she had work early in the morning, and so she took a bus, you know, around dawn to come home and try to get changed before work. But when she gets home, there is, like, fire department and police officers gathered outside the building, and they won't let her up to her apartment. In fact, they started to question her because apparently that evening, a fire had started in the building from inside her apartment. They said that they found a note written inside. You know, they managed to put the fire out, but what had happened is my aunt had a weird ex-boyfriend who I guess they'd let, like, keep some pot plants inside or something. You know, he was a kind of a shady character, taking advantage of it, and was very unhappy that my aunt had broken up with him. So apparently that evening, he was waiting in the apartment to kill my aunt. I'm not sure if, you know, like, he would have had malice towards my mother as well, but clearly this man, like, was not mentally sound and was dangerous so they assumed he started the fire and he had left a note explaining that he was going to come back for them you know and like cause them harm so it's just kind of an interesting interesting thing where like you know who knows what would have happened if my mom had gone into the apartment because the ex-boyfriend did not know my aunt was gone like he was in there waiting probably at the time my mom was trying to go in there So, you know, I've gone through things with my mom about this situation. Like, oh, well, if there was a fire, like, I don't know, maybe there was some kind of static charge or electric charge that was, like, conduit through the doorknob. But from what I understand, like, doorknobs are, like, I don't know if they're conductive. I know they'll get hot if there's a fire behind a door or something. But um, I'm not even sure they figured out what caused the fire. I'm not sure what happened to the man who was in the apartment, but I believe he had... He had left at some point. Um, yeah, and they were questioning my mom because they assumed, I don't know, they assumed it was, like, arson, obviously. But, I, like I said, I'm not sure if they could actually figure out what where the fire originated or why. And they thought it was very suspicious that her and her sister were not at their own apartment that evening when this man was there. Anyway, you know, it's just one of those things where my mom trained me as a kid to trust my intuition you know, she's got countless stories like that where just just weird things happened or she knew something she couldn't have known. You know, just having a strong sensation of danger, I suppose. And, you know, like I said, being psychic like kind of runs in my family. And I don't even necessarily think of it as like a paranormal or mystic aspect. To me, it's some kind of like evolutionary ability since, you know, like all these other beings in nature can sense and communicate invisibly without language that like to me it seems pretty probable humans are able to have those skills and it's just like you know a genotype kind of situation or where some of us get it and some of us don't so anyway that's just one of the many stories I'm sure I'll call in over time so thank you thank you caller you know your mom sounds like an interesting character and I think we'd all like to hear from her. As for this entry, however, there's a funny thing about signs, like the one our caller's mother experienced. They only work if you react to them. In other words, you might have the keenest of senses, but they do you no good unless you act on them. And our subject here did just that. 
Not once, not twice, but multiple times. And it must have been quite a feeling to influence her at such a frequency. Now, it's certainly incredible stuff. And we thank you again, caller, for sharing it here with us. Now, folks, as I'd like to do, let's tuck one more entry in here before we pay the bills. And I think I have just the one. John in New York. These digital airwaves are yours. Hey, Derek, this is John from New York. That's uh, happened recently. A couple minutes ago, I'm a truck driver. Uh, right over Batavia, New York. It's nice out, beautiful, sunny day. I see uh, like a disc in the sky, and it's, it's almost blinding off the sunlight. And I keep looking, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying a drone or something like that. Keep looking. No, it's definitely disc-like. Another trucker pulls up uh, alongside me, and I kind of just glance over at him see if he sees it, too, because it's so, it's so bright reflecting off the sunlight. And uh, it, it's kind of small. I, I don't really know a size to relate it to, but it's definitely disc shape. So I keep looking at him, and he doesn't see it, and nobody's really slowing down in front of us. And I look back, I see it, look at him again just to see again, and he still doesn't see it. So I look back, and it's, it's gone. It's just completely gone in the clear blue sky. So I thought it was pretty cool. You're the first person I thought of to call, and uh, love the show, man. Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks, John. There's another one we can date in research. And coincidentally, it happened the same week that our previous entry from Mississippi did. Around June 7th or 8th of 2021, by my calculations. And like with that entry, I didn't find much online describing other UFO experiences around that time. But maybe you saw something. If you did, you know the drill. 1-888-608-NIGHT Now as for the sighting itself, a trucker burning diesel down the highway, only to be interrupted by a shiny silver UFO. Yeah, they made a song about that. And I was just about an hour from the Oklahoma line When out of the sky came a big old flying saucer I swear it nearly caused me to go blind. Well, there ain't no UFO gonna catch my diesel. No, I don't care if it came from outer space. Well, there ain't no UFO gonna catch my diesel. No, there ain't no machine around gonna take its place. Now that's just a taste, for educational purposes and all. The full song can be found in their show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash show notes or in the description of this episode. The song is Trucker and the UFO, a 1973 release by the band Brush Arbor. And don't tell me that John's entry didn't immediately make you think of that jam. What do you mean you never heard of it? Now unless you're brand new to the show... You've probably already heard me talk about microdosing and how it helps all sorts of people, myself included. Now, tonight's show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. 
Now, microdose gummies deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD for people who want to feel just the right amount of good. Yeah, I mentioned THC. But before you tense up, keep in mind that microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. And while these gummies do contain cannabinoids, I'm not talking about getting stoned out of your mind. I'm talking about entry-level doses to help you chill out at the end of a long day. Now look, they taste great, and they really help me relax, calm my anxiety, and fall asleep with ease. Now, Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to Microdose.com and use the code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes, but again, that's Microdose.com and the code MONSTERSAMONGUS. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to that strange face staring into your window. Alrighty then. This upcoming entry puts us back into a hotel. Please welcome Cody from Washington to the program. Cody calling from Marysville, Washington, about an hour north of Seattle. Love the show. According to Spotify, I've listened to 244 episodes for just about 13,000 minutes in the past year, currently on season 12, episode 1. My story takes place the night of August 24th, the morning of August 25th, in either 2010 or 2011. My girlfriend at the time, fiance, myself, and her mother went to stay at a place in Port Townsend called Manresa Castle. I'll just get that out of the way. I've been, like I said, I've listened to a lot of your episodes and I have yet to hear about a ghost attack. And that is what my story is about. So we had requested to stay in one of the haunted rooms just for fun. The room that we stayed in, according to the front desk associate, when it was a monastery, a monk had relations with a prostitute and hung himself in the spire above our room. So went to bed on the 24th, fell asleep with the TV on, woke up about two, maybe three, noticed the TV was on, couldn't find the remote. So I got up to turn it off, realized that I had to pee. So figured I'd go do that while I was up. Came back, laid down, kissed my girlfriend, on her forehead, told her happy anniversary, got comfortable, laid down on my right side with my left hand resting on my side and on my hip. And then I started noticing a hot, burny, tingly feeling in my fingers. Made its way up from my fingers, all the way up my arm, wrist, forearm, elbow, up to my bicep, onto my shoulder, and then stopped on my shoulder blade. The next thing I know, while it is still burning and tingling on my shoulder blade, I start getting the same feeling on the back of my head, and then almost immediately after the tingling and burning was on the back of my head, my face got shoved into my pillow. I always bring a feathered pillow with me when we go to any hotel or anything like that, just as a comfort thing to help me sleep in an unfamiliar place. And with it being a feathered pillow, I couldn't breathe. I 
had my hands in the bed, pushing hard enough to where I was shaking, trying to get my face out of my pillow to where I could get a breath of air. Through this whole thing, my girlfriend was sleeping because I could not say anything. My pillow was in my mouth, up my nostrils. The tingling and burning feeling left my back and the back of my head. I was finally able to move. After I was able to breathe again and moving, I didn't want to wake my girlfriend up because I didn't want to scare the holy hell out of her. So I did my best to fall asleep. Come to find out, a couple hours later, she had woken up, and on my side of the bed, there was a wardrobe with a mirror in the center of it. And when she turned over and looked at me, she said that she saw somebody standing over me in front of the wardrobe to where what was being reflected in the mirror was being blocked by whatever was standing. So that's what happened. I've told numerous people, thank you for giving us a place to call. Thank you again for everything that you're letting us do. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks. Bye. Good Lord, that was intense. Thank you, Cody, for sharing the entry. Now, I don't often make a habit of flat-out calling out submitters, but I'm going to do it here. Cody, you're telling me you went back to sleep after that. I know we hear that detail a lot. Someone sees something strange, freaks out, and eventually dozes off. But my man here was nearly snuffed out by this invisible force. Cody and his girl's anniversary almost also became their death date. Or at least it seems like that. But aside from some scratches and bruises, you don't much hear about entity-to-human violent contact. And you certainly don't hear much about those encounters approaching deadly levels of force. But here we are. Now since Cody gave the name of the hotel... The Manresa Castle Hotel. I was able to do a little digging. And as it turns out, Cody isn't the first to experience the castle's violent side. Mardella, a housekeeper at the castle, says she was physically attacked twice. Can you tell me where we're at right now in the castle? We are in the dungeon in the laundry room. The dungeon in the laundry room. Some of the other women that work here were telling us that you had a, a violent encounter. I was down doing laundry. The first day it was I went home to change my work clothes and I noticed a child-sized handprint bruise on my leg. <laughs> did you feel that happen? I did not feel that happen. I came back to work the next day and talked to the ghost. This is not okay bruises and next thing I know I felt a punch in my face. Did you feel the pain of it? Yes. They didn't like what you were telling them. Yeah. Now that clip from the Travel Channel program Ghost Adventures. And if you have Discovery Plus you can watch the entire episode. The link is there in the show notes. But you know if what the housekeeper says is true 
and what Cody claims isn't fabricated, then the Manresa Castle is home to something powerful and something dangerous. Now, dealing with something like that is certainly above my pay grade. But I imagine there's a ghost hunter or two that would love to get their hands on that place. Thank you again, Cody, for the introduction and the terrifying entry. And here we are, at the end of the supernatural rainbow. And the pot of gold is this nightmare fuel, submitted by Nick in the state of Idaho. Hi, I got a story for you. This is Nick. I live in Boise, Idaho. And when I was younger, I had a pretty strange experience. I'm 40 now, but this probably occurred when I was probably around five or six. Me and my brother shared a room at the time, and we had our small beds kind of against the wall, and there was a kind of one of those orange night lights under a table in between our beds, you know, that supplied just enough light to get in and out of the room at night if we needed to. And it kind of cast that, you know, orangey yellow glow as with all the, you know, light bulbs of the, you know, 80s. And so I found myself waking up in the middle of the night and I'm kind of gazing off at the side of my brother's bed, you know, not thinking of anything in particular, just awake. And I remember being awake for, you know, probably about five or ten minutes And I was just kind of dozing off, you know, thinking. And the side of my brother's bed was just kind of happened to where, be where my my eyes laid as I was thinking and daydreaming. And all of a sudden I noticed there was a texture starting to develop on the side of the mattress. And within a matter of about 10 seconds, a face exuded from the side of the mattress the only way I can really explain this is if you remember those science toys back in the late 80s, early 90s, where it's like a board full of pins and you can place your hand or your face against it and it, you know, pushes against the pins. And then on the other side, it makes a cool metallic relief of whatever, you know, pushes against the pins. Now imagine that on the side of the the bed to a depth of about almost ear level. Uh, this face developed and came out of the side of my brother's bed. And this thing, I'm not a religious person. I wasn't back then, and certainly not now. And the only thing I could say it really looked like was a demon. And back then, I was young enough to where I didn't really have... I don't know what this was. So... As I'm looking at it, this thing had a brown face that was very gaunt and its eyes were human-like, but the iris was a yellow color. And from what I remember, it had a cat slit or a snake slit-like pupil and wrinkled leathery face with its mouth kind of slightly open at a gape as if somebody's daydreaming because that's what it looked like it was doing to me. With its mouth kind of slightly agape, I could see the tips of sharp teeth on the top 
and bottom parts behind its lips. And this thing just kind of came out and it had eyes that were locked onto mine and it just stared at me with this total daydreaming thousand yard stare look. I remember at the time kind of being curious because I had no idea how to categorize this as something I knew or something that was familiar. And I remember my mind, you know, shuffling through like a deck of cards of every animal, human, you know, thing that I could pin this thing to. And eventually, after several seconds, it kind of comes up with that mental no match. And when that happened, I began to panic and was just like, what the hell is this thing? And at that point, I slammed my head down to the pillow, covered my head with my blankets, and sat there in a state of horror, trying to figure out what the hell I was just looking at. And I remember staying wide awake until I heard my dad get up early in the morning, and it was still dark. And I jumped out of bed, raced out the door, and was telling my dad, like, Dad, Dad! I saw this this thing come out of the side of the bed and I even grabbed a piece of paper because I was somewhat artistically talented and still am now, I guess I could say. And I was trying to draw what I saw while he was kind of getting ready for work, but he didn't really pay me any mind, you know, kind of like, yes, whatever, son, you know, and going on his business. And, you know, I just kind of gave up. But this was... A very strange experience and I know a lot of people are gonna go sleep paralysis you know but with me I've never had sleep paralysis and when it, I experienced it I was awake and I even leaned up a little bit to look at this thing so I was fully able to move and when I panicked you know I was able to move to cover my head with my blankets but that thing it wasn't like a ghost or, you know, misty. It was very solid material substance. And also its skin kind of almost reminded me of like a, kind of like a, a frog's skin, how it kind of has that sheen to it. It was kind of a leathery, amphibious kind of skin to it. I mean, if anybody's experienced anything like this, I would love to hear about it. But I'm beginning to wonder if maybe when we come out of sleep or in between sleep and wakefulness, there's a frequency there that possibly these other things may exist. Almost like we're a radio station where we, you know, between wakefulness and sleep and vice versa, we can harmonize with that frequency where these things exist, occur, something but there's something to it. Too many commonalities with this whole waking up in the middle of the night and seeing things. I think it deserves attention and why the commonalities. But this one for me was totally bizarre. I have no idea what it was and what it still to this day. I remember it very vividly and it has kind of haunted me through my whole life. I would really like to know if somebody else has experienced anything like this. Seems very unique, not ghosty, not really alien-y. I don't really know how to compartmentalize this. 
a lot of people are going to say demons and the devil, you know, could be, but I don't know. I don't know. I just like to hear your thoughts. Let me know. And if anybody else experiences anything like this, hit me up. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Now, why does all this sound so eerily familiar? Now, if you tuned in to last week's Best of 2022 special, you might recall hearing a similar story. Because on that episode, I shared an anonymous caller story out of Ohio, which he described a similar toad-shaped entity that entered his childhood bedroom. Now, if you missed that story, here is a short clip of the call, which originally aired on Season 13, Episode 18. Okay, now the shadow defined itself to where it was almost like a man-shaped frog. Or not frog, it was a toad. Because toads are, are lumpy and bumpy and dry. And this did not have a, a wet skin to it. It was very dark, but you could still see that the toad itself was gray. And it would start out growing from the shadow, and then it would transform as the night grew on into the toad shape. Like I said eerily similar. Now, of course, our original caller stabbed his creature with a antler-handled knife. It doesn't sound like Nick followed suit, and he'll certainly get no judgment from me for that decision. But that's two strange toad-like humanoids that visited young boys at night in their bedroom on opposite ends of our country's interior. And unfortunately, I was unable to find a third example outside of the infamous Loveland Frogman flap, which we'd already taken stock of on previous episodes. So until that next Toadman nighttime intruder call comes in, we'll patiently wait for the mystery to reveal itself. Until then, we appreciate your call, Nick. Sounds to me like it's time for Nick to find a knife. Alright folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Please take the time to follow us on social media. And while you're at it, like us over on YouTube and leave us a rate and review wherever possible. And finally, a terrifying score you heard this evening. Well, that's Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey, and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. Keep it spooky, and until next time. (laughs) 
You know, I like to imagine there are still a few saps out there that don't know anything about this bonus entry. And maybe this is your first time realizing it exists. How exciting. For everyone else, you've undoubtedly grown accustomed to hearing the strangest of the strange hidden in this slot. And tonight, I intend on continuing that tradition. So from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, please welcome Mark to the program. Hey Derek, this is Mark from Norristown, Pennsylvania. I just had something really strange happen to me and the first thing I thought to do was to call into your show. So I'm walking through my neighborhood here. It's about a quarter to nine on a, a Valentine's Day, February 14th, walking my dog. And we're walking down the street and all of a sudden I hear what sounds almost exactly like those kind of dolphin laughs that you hear a dolphin make except they're a little higher pitched than that and they're coming up from a sewer grate now it might be a, a runoff drain too i don't know the difference by looking at them uh, my dog starts going crazy when we hear this and i kind of pause and freeze and a few seconds goes by and then we hear the same thing at this point she's really pulling me to you know she's a big dog she's pulling me to get over towards it and a uh, dog across the street is going nuts so i walk up to a street sign and i tie her to it because i don't want her to you know go sticking her face over a sewer grate and having something pop out at her and hurt the dog so of course i do that myself i turn on my cell phone light and i look down in the sewer it's empty there's nothing there anymore by the time i walk to the streetlight we tied her up and went back it was gone i went back and got my dog nothing there that could have made that sound uh, that i could see it's possible it was some sort of plumbing noise i i don't know how or why or even if that goes directly to somebody's house or something although it didn't look like that type of thing it looked more like uh something that would drain water off the street when it rained other than that, I got no real ideas on what this could be other than some sort of a sewer dolphin. So I guess if you or anybody else has ever heard of dolphin noises coming from the sewer, let me know. Thanks. Bye. The sewer dolphins. You know, the funny thing about that was that that was my band's name in high school. I tell you, we were the best gospel group in the Tri-County area. But how about it, folks? Some rogue species of dolphin that somehow made its way into Pennsylvania's sewers. Or perhaps a rodent or other small bird or mammal, whose screeches and squeals sound similar enough to give Mark pause. Now, oddly enough, this is the same area that brought us the fuzzy alligators in the sewers. If you remember that series of calls from several seasons ago. What are you guys putting in the water there in Pennsylvania? Something ain't right. But we love and appreciate a good mystery. And the call. So thank you again, Mark, for taking the time. Now then, folks, if you don't have a ticket, this is where we part ways. But fear not. You can gain access to this extended Beyond episode by visiting patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast and joining that $5 level. 
Once you do, you'll get access to this extended episode and some 60-plus hours of additional content, all for the price of a cup of Starbucks. We cannot wait to see you there. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash Monsters Among Us podcast. Now, as I teased last week, this week's Beyond will be a little bit longer than usual to make up for last week's free release. So let's get this thing started. Beginning with Marcos over in New York. Hi, my name is Marcos, and this is a story of a sighting of little people that my younger brother had in Mexico. It was around the mid to late 2000s. He was walking back from school. He had to go to school a long way from home. It was an evening, like around three or four in the afternoon. He had to stay late for after school activities. 